without him now. He'll see you through. Praise the Lord for that. And good to be back in prior. And uh, I'm glad y'all know enough to get up and put your offering in. I didn't tell you to. But see, we, uh, we do the offering at the end down at Tahlequah. And uh, probably up here they figure we better, they better get the offering before they have me get up to preach. Because uh, you might not be wanting to put in any money or you might want to leave early with me doing the preaching. But uh, we'll get it either way. I usually tell them we're going to receive an offering. And after we count it, if it's not enough, then we're going to take an offering. But uh, good to be back in prior. And we're going to look in Psalm chapter number 100. This 100th Psalm, Psalms 100. Good crowd today. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you being faithful in your place this morning. Again, I haven't been here since uh, Memorial Day weekend, I believe, and so uh, I didn't have much hair to start with. I was always buzzing it off since I got so thin, but now, since then I've gone to just shaving it completely off, and uh, so I hope the light's not shining on my head too much where you can't see, but... Uh, I decided it ain't worth going to the it ain't worth going to the barber every two weeks and paying ten dollars or more hair than I had, and so I just got, I found this thing electric razor called Skull Shaver man just just made for shaving your head. So I just started shaving my head. And so I, after the first time I shaved my head, like I asked my wife, I said, well, "What do you think?" She's man said, "You look like that guy on TV." I said, "Jason Statham." She said, "No," I said Elmer Fudd. <laughs> but um, so I'm. Some of, them, some of them guys, they carry off that, that Hollywood look with that shaved head, and I just look like Elmer Fudd. But uh, anyway, I sure, it don't, sure don't take me long to get my hair ready in the morning, though. I, I, can, I can get you beat on that. It don't take me long to get ready. But uh, we're glad you're here this morning. Looking at Psalm 100. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on the subject, what everyone should bring to church. What everybody ought to bring to church. People bring all kinds of things to church. Some people bring a snack or candy or uh, toys, something for the kids to kind of keep them occupied. And, and uh, I've seen a few adults bring some things they're probably trying to keep themselves occupied. I've seen people read books while the sermon's being preached. Uh, I've even seen people look down, seen people trying to balance their checkbook back before we had electronic stuff, you know. I've, I've seen I've seen people bring nail clippers and begin. I'm, we used to have one guy in church I was in years ago, and he was the world's worst about. It. He'd be right in the middle of the service. I mean, it's quiet. He'd be up there. He'd be trimming his fingernails, and you'd hear that 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 click all across the building. You know, well, he's up there trimming his fingernails. We probably look closer. We'd probably find some toenail clippings somewhere. I mean, some some things ought to be left at the house, probably. But praise the Lord. Some people bring the right stuff. Some people bring their Bibles. Hopefully everybody has either Bible in your hand or you got one on your phone you're going to look at or something. There's some things everybody ought to bring to church. And Psalm 100 is a psalm. It's really talking about the future millennium kingdom that describes what worship will be like in the day when the Lord Jesus Christ reigns in his glory and his power on the earth. And Now, we're not in that glorious day yet, 
But uh, we are in the family of God, and we're commanded to gather ourselves together and worship Him in His church. Hebrews 10.25 tells us that. And so with that in mind, I think we can let it be said that this psalm tells us exactly what everybody ought to bring to church when they come. So let's look at this uh, scripture together this morning. Number one, I think everybody ought to bring the right spirit. Bring the right spirit. Well, what kind of spirit would that be? First of all, a shouting spirit. Bring a shouting spirit. Verse 1 says we're told to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So let's break that down and see what, uh, they, what he's commanding us to do there in that first verse. Well, there's that word make. That means the word comes like uh, we would use it towards like making music. And it's, it's referred to singing uh, in other and to the Psalms and singing the hymns of the Lord. Make. And then there's that word joyful. That word joyful means to give a public confession of the attributes and the works of God. Amen. If anything ought to make you have a joyful spirit, ought to be thinking about the things God's done for you. Think about the blessings God's given you and that we, you and I don't deserve. You and I don't deserve anything but hell this morning. But he reached down, he paid the price on the cross of Calvary so that we could have salvation. And he granted it to us just by simply coming and trusting in him, confessing our sins and believing on him. And we can have that everlasting life. I mean, you'd ought to be a joyful, joyful spirit. And uh, there's that word noise. That word means to raise a shout. It almost refers to like a, a ringing cry, uh, almost like a cry that pierces the eardrums. I mean, when all these things are put together, I believe we can see here that the psalmist is calling on the people of the Lord to raise an anthem of praise uh, from their hearts to the Lord. I mean, it's a challenge for you and I to participate in the public praise of God's person and His works. And I, I like the way Brother Rob always says that when I'm myself or somebody else is going to lead worship, he'll say, now you listen, remember I said He's going to lead us in worship. We're not going to just sit back and watch the person that's leading the worship. We're all going to join in together. We're going to praise God uh, together. And that's how it ought to be. And you know, Psalm 40 uh, verses 1 through 3 tells us what the Lord did for us when He saved us. And uh, those those verses ought to put a new song in, uh, in our mouth. You know, uh, at Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Aren't you glad that we can we can call upon the Lord? It says he inclined. In other words, he was paying attention to what you and I were saying. And says, and he heard my cry. Aren't you glad that you can be in times in your life when it seems like there's nobody else that's listening to you? Nobody else that cares about you? Nobody else paying attention to what you're going through? But the Word tells us that He inclines His ear to us and He hears our cry. Then He says, He brought me up out of a, out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Now, you remember where you was at when the Lord reached down and drew you up out of that miry pit? He drew you up out of the sinful life you was living, reached down and set you on a solid ground, and he established your goings. I mean, established your goings mean he pointed you in the right direction. Aren't you thankful for that day in the Lord uh, when he came to you and set you uh, on the right path? I mean, no longer are we singing the ways of the world and about what it has to offer, but instead now we're singing about the Lord and uh, what uh, the Lord that sought me, the Lord that bought me, and the Lord that brought me out. I mean, the right spirit. It's a spirit of shouting. And remember, genuine praise, genuine praise is always going to be vocal. It's going to be visible. It's going to be public. See, now, the Lord don't get any glory this morning if, you, if you've got a shout inside you and you don't let it get out. 
I mean, you've got praise down inside you and you're just keeping it to yourself. I mean, it may make you feel good and God knows the intents of your heart. But God really doesn't get the glory from that unless you let it get out. Unless you praise Him openly. Well, then it's a shouting spirit that it ought to be a serving spirit. That word serve means to be in bondage to. It refers to doing whatever the master tells his servant to do. Basically, it means just to be at his beck and call. Now, when we got saved, we became the Lord's property. You say, well, I, I, I don't belong to anybody. I belong to myself. No, if, you, if you're saved, you belong to the Lord because he purchased us with a price. We're to, we're to serve him. I mean, some people don't like that. They don't like that serving spirit part. But 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, some people don't like that because they don't like anybody telling them what to do. If you don't like that this morning, you don't like the fact that somebody's going to tell you what to do, you're probably not going to like the next part either. Because it says we're to serve him with gladness. That little word means with mirth. That means... It's not really a word we use very much nowadays, but it means with gladness accompanied with laughter. That verse is telling us that we ought to serve the Lord with laughter. I mean, we ought to be so filled with love for Him that regardless of what He asks us to do, now we're just, we're absolutely just tickled to death to do whatever God's asked us to do. I mean, do you get up on Sunday morning and say, man, I, i got to be in the nursery this morning. Or you get up and you say, man, praise the Lord, I get to be with them babies this morning. I get to be, i got nursery this morning. I get to serve God in that nursery. I get to teach that Sunday school class. Whatever it might be. Whatever God's called you to do. Now, some people, they'll do what God's called them to do. And they are faithful to His calling. But the way they look at it, I mean, they, they're coming, they, and they'll tell you about it many times. They'll tell you what all they do for the Lord. And say, but you know, that, that's just my cross to bear. Well, you ought to serve God with gladness. You ought to be thankful that God sees something in you that's worth using. I mean, I, I don't claim to be much of a preacher, but I think every, almost every time I preach up here, uh, Brother Rob will text me and that, that morning. He'll say he's praying for me. And I always tell him, I, thank you for the opportunity because I appreciate the opportunity. Just let God use me. Share what he's laid on my heart. Psalm 122, verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You ought to, you ought to get up on Sunday mornings and be glad that it's Sunday morning. Get, be glad that you get to go to God's house and you get to praise His name. The psalmist was filled with gladness when it was time to go to church. That word gladness is a very interesting word. It carries with it the meaning of being wide-eyed with a big grin. It almost kind of brings to mind the unvarnished joy of a child when something happens that they like. I mean, a child, when it's especially like around Christmas or their birthday or something, they open a present or something like that. I mean, their whole body shows you how glad they are. I mean, it's not just a little expression on the face. But the little child gets excited about something like that. You can just see it all over their whole body. They're excited because it's their birthday. They're excited because it's Christmas. I mean, the mouth flies open. The eyes get wide. The face lights up. And the heart lifts. And the soul rejoices. And that ought to be the way you and I are. It ought to be a delight for us old sinners as we come to serve the Lord and our God who's redeemed us from death and hell by His precious blood. 
I mean, do you get up on Sunday mornings? Do you get up and say, good, Lord, good morning, Lord? Or do you get up and say, good Lord, it's morning? Too many of us say do the other way around, don't we? Well, it ought to be also, number three, it ought to be a singing spirit. We're told to approach the Lord our God with singing. Verse 2 of our text today says, come before his presence with singing. Again, that little word refers to the ringing cry or the shout of joy. Our hearts ought to be so filled with wonder of who he is and what he's done for us that we allow his praises just to burst forth from our inner being. The first two verses of this chapter tell us that when God's in your life, you're not going to be able to hide him. You're not going to be able to keep him a secret for very long. I mean, you can't have somebody the size of God in your heart without him getting out and Every now and then. Sometimes he'll run out your eyes. Sometimes he'll show up in your raised hands. Very often he ought to run up your throat and over your vocal cords. Make you sing and shout praises unto him. Fact is, if you've got the Lord down inside of you, you're not going to be able to hide it. My dad used to always say, he said, you oughtn't have to skin somebody to see if they're a Christian or not. You don't have to skin them to see if the Lord's in there. They ought to be, the Lord ought to, the Lord ought to be able to, ought to show up. But you need to bring the right spirit, number two. You need to bring the right submission. Bring the right submission. Submit, number one, submit to the person of God. Verse three says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. We're told to know that the Lord's God. That word means to make a distinction. We are to know that he and he alone is God. I mean, this morning, do you have it nailed down this morning who your God is? Is your God the God of the Bible? Who's your God this morning? You might wonder how you can know. Well, it really, it really is very simple. What or who do you give most of your time, attention, and money to? What is it that's got priority in your life this morning? Whatever it is that's got priority in your life, that's your God. That's the God you're really serving. Have you made the right distinction and, and acknowledge God Almighty as the God of your life? I hope you have. By the way, if you ever get it nailed down in your soul that He is God and that He is superior to every other person, thing, or activity in your life, then you're not going to have any problem serving Him like you should. The reason so many people, it seems like nowadays, they don't make church a priority. They don't make reading their Bible a priority. They don't make praying a priority. They don't make serving God the priority that it ought to be in their life. The main reason for that is they just hadn't truly nailed it down in their heart just who God is. I mean, if, there was, if we announced that there was going to be somebody really important here today, Used to be, they'd say, well, if the president was going to be here today, and it would still be an event. I'm not really particularly fond of the current president as far as my personal opinion. But it still would be an honor for, him to be, for, the, for the president of the United States to be in, in attendance. But, man, if there's, if there's some, going to be somebody like the president or somebody that was going to be here, man, there'd be a lot of people would come just because it was the president. Whether you like them or not, it's just it's the fact that the president of the United States is here. Going to be there. They'd want to be there. I got news for you. There's somebody far more important than the president's here every time this church meets together. I mean, people just don't realize, I mean, we don't, they don't realize the awesomeness 
What it means for that, that you and I can get together and praise and worship Him, and we have the literal, the presence of God is here. I mean, we are meeting with the Creator of the universe. The God of heaven is with us. And if you realize truly who we're meeting with every time these doors open and we meet together, you wouldn't want to miss it unless you absolutely had to. You don't want to be here. You want to serve Him because you realize who He is. Submit to the person of God, number two. Submit to the purpose of God. We're reminded that we are what we are because He's made us. See, that word means to take some material and fashion something new out of it. I mean, God took that clay that was us and He formed a new creature out of it by His power. And regardless of what we are this morning, you and I are what we are by the power of God. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, and yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. been good if we had sung that song this morning without him because that, all of that, rem- that song reminds us that without him we can do nothing to say without him we're we're a zero with the round part kicked off we're nothing john 15 15 says i'm the vine you're the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing We need to realize this morning, God saved us, and he saved us for a purpose. He didn't just redeem us to keep us out of hell. He didn't just redeem us so that we could feel good from time to time. He didn't just do it so we could look down on our uh, down our long religious noses on our lost neighbors and feel superior. I mean, God saved us because he loved us, number one, but then he also, he saved us so that we might serve him. Ephesians 2.18, or 2.10 rather, says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. James 2.18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for my life, and he'll use you if you'll serve him. You want to be used, he'll use you. Then submit number three, submit to the promise of God. We're the sheep of his pasture, the Bible says, and that statement just really reminds us that we belong to him. And just like a shepherd looks after the welfare of his sheep. So our Lord looks after us with infinite care. I think David had that little thought nailed down that the Lord was his shepherd when he wrote Psalm 23. He said, the Lord's my shepherd. I think you and I need to get it nailed down in our lives as well. You you and I could ever just really grasp a hold of that, just that little part of that 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, it would have been, it would still would have been true if he had just said, the Lord is the shepherd. But man, he, he made it more personal. He said, the Lord's my shepherd. If you and I could ever just realize, yeah, he is everybody else's shepherd too, but he looks after us personally. 
I mean, even though he's looking after everybody else personally too, he's looking after you and I individually and personally. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're feeling in your heart. He knows what you're going to need today. He knows what you're going to need tomorrow. And sometimes today, he's just giving you things that he knows you're going to need tomorrow. The Lord's our shepherd. I mean, it would forever transform us if we could ever realize that the Lord really is our shepherd. We'd realize you don't have to worry about your needs being met. If you're serving God like you're supposed to be serving Him and you belong to Him, He's going to look after you because you're, you're, you're one of His. You belong to Him. And we never have to fear anything that arises in life because we've got our shepherd. We are His promises and we have His guarantee that all's in control. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Aren't you glad that if everybody else in this world turns their back on you, if it gets to the place and you don't have anybody you can call on, don't feel like. You got one, the Lord's your shepherd, and he said, I'm going to never leave you, I'm never going to forsake you. Got one that he'll incline his ear to you. He'll hear you cry. And he'll be there for whatever it is that you need. Matthew 6.34 says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. If you're saved this morning, I hope that you are. You belong to the chief shepherd. He's going to take care of the needs that arise in your life. The problem we have is too many times you and I, we've just not yet learned to trust him as we should. We'll say that he's our shepherd. And we'll pray and go talk to him about the needs that we have in our life. But as soon as we talk to him about those needs that we've got in our life, we set about trying to figure out how we're going to do it ourselves. You don't have to worry about it. Now, sometimes God may tell you to do something. <clears throat> God may tell you to do some things to, to make your situation be better. But you don't have to worry about it because the Lord's going to take care of your needs. I mean, you and I need to get to the place where We've literally knocked out all the props that support us and just totally commit ourselves to a life of faith. Just trust the Lord to take care of us and watch over our lives. If you're his sheep, <clears throat> he's going to take care of it. See, this morning, if the Lord can't take care of your problems, then he's not much of a God. I mean... You think about the God, if he really is the God, and I believe that he is, but if he really is the God that created this universe, if he's the God that keeps this world in its orbit and keeps it revolving on its axis, if he's the God that created all the planets and the stars and put them into space and they're still there, then what in my life or what in your life would seem to be a big problem to him? Anything that's going on in my life and your life, he's very capable of taking care of it. Well, you ought to bring the right spirit. You ought to bring... The right submission, number three, you ought to bring the right sacrifice. Verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 100 say, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. See, in the tabernacle in the temple days, the priest had better not enter the presence of the Lord without the right sacrifice because to do so meant death. 
Well, that would sure help the offerings, wouldn't it, if God still practiced that today and said, man, if you don't bring the right offering this morning, it's going to be instant death. I believe the offerings would go up tremendously. Well, thank God we don't have to offer a blood sacrifice this morning. Jesus Christ already took care of that on the cross of Calvary. Took care of it forever. And I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time. In Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 14, he talks about that sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross of Calvary. Over and over throughout those several verses there, he uses the words one and once, reminding us that the Lord took care of the blood sacrifice when he died on the cross of Calvary, and he did it once and for all. But yet there is still a sacrifice that the people of God need to bring. That sacrifice is not your money, even though you should bring your tithes and your offerings. It's not your attendance, although you should be at church every possible opportunity that you have. There's really just one sacrifice that the Lord expects every saint to bring to church when they come. And it's revealed in the last two verses of this Psalm 100. We're told to bring the sacrifice of praise. There's emphasis on verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And in closing this morning, I'll just notice a couple of quick thoughts from that verse. First of all, God's house is to be a place of praise unto him. Man, this ought to be a place. If you can't praise God here in his house with his people, you're not going to praise him anywhere. I mean, don't, don't tell me that you're, praising, that, you're, that you're praising God and you're witnessing out there among the world all week long if you're not going to praise him here. Because this is the easiest place in the world to praise him with all God's people. And we all, we all, we all know that God's God. And we know that God's a great God. And we know that God's our Savior. We know He's our Shepherd. And it's easy to praise Him here, but what's going to be hard is when you get out there among, among those, those people that don't know Him. You might be the only Christian at your workplace. You, it's going to be hard sometimes to praise Him when you're the only Christian. You're the only one around that believes like you do. Enter into His courts with praise then we're given an invitation to come into his presence. I like that. Coming into his presence. That's why it's so important what takes place in this building every time we get together and worship. Because we're not just here to have a good time. We're not just here, to, even though it is encouraging, we do need the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not here to even just encourage each other. We are here to praise him. We are here to praise God and thank Him for His blessings. Thank Him for what He's done for us. As a matter of fact, if God never blessed us another time the rest of our life, if God never did another thing good for you until the day you go home to be with Him, you ought to still spend the rest of your days praising Him for what He's already done in your life. We're told to enter into His gates. Now, gates are defensive weapons, and usually they're closed to all outsiders. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we're, the Bible says we're no longer the enemies of God. Romans 8, 7 says, but now you're sons. The gates which were once closed to us are now opened wide. And matter of fact, we're beckoned to enter into the presence of God. 
as we bring to him the sacrifice of praise for our salvation. We're invited, to, it says here, to enter into his courts with praise. You see, first he says enter into the gates of the outer courtyard. Then he says enter into his courts with praise. Now we're, we're not just allowed access to the outer limits of his sanctuary. But literally, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are invited to walk directly into the throne room where we can meet him in all of his glory. We don't have to go to some priest and say, I know I can't go where God's at, but would you take this request? Would you take this sacrifice and go and give it to God? Because you can go where his presence is. You don't have to go through some priest this morning. If you're a born-again child of God, you got the Holy Spirit living in you, then the Holy Spirit is, is uh, relaying those messages back and forth from here to God. And you and I can just go directly into the throne of grace and, and present our petitions, our prayers, our thankfulness directly to Him. It's no wonder the psalmist challenges us to be thankful and to bless His name. We're counseled to bring the right sacrifice when we enter. We're told to bring the sacrifice of praise. Verse 5 gives us three reasons for praising His name. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Number one, praise God for His goodness. We're told that the Lord is good. I know that seems like a, little, a really a limited description for God, but that word means good, pleasant, beautiful, delightful, glad, joyful, precious, correct and righteous it also can be used to mean expensive everything about god and everything that god does is an expression of his goodness if you and i could ever realize the goodness of god when it's poured out upon us we're so undeserving i mean we don't deserve even even once we're saved we still don't deserve it it's only by the grace of god we have what we have god is so good to us we can praise our God because He's good. Regardless of what happens in life, God's good. No matter how things turn out, God's still good. So give praise to Him for His goodness. Number two, praise God for His grace. The last verse here tells us that God's mercy is everlasting. We can praise God because He's, he's constantly extending His mercy to us as we go through life and as you know, probably this morning, mercy is defined as not getting what you deserve. And we live in a time when everybody's always wanting what's coming to them. I mean, you'll see all these ads by these lawyers. If you've ever experienced this or that, you know, then call our number and we'll see that you get what's coming to you. You may have some things coming to you down here from some situations like that. Not knocking that, but... You're not going to ever hear me going before God saying, God, won't you just, would you please give me what's coming to me? Mm-mm. I don't want what's coming to me. If I got what's coming to me, I'd be in hell right now and stay there for eternity. Man, I want to go, God, I want God to give me mercy. Man, I, I, I want to, I'm looking for a crop failure. I know the Bible says you reap what you sow. Man, sometimes I look at my life and I say, God, I know the word says we reap what we sow. And, Lord, I believe your word's true. But, Lord, I do also know that sometimes some crops fail. And, Lord, I got some seeds I've sown in my life. I sure wish you'd just bless me and let those, let those crops not come in. Let, let that be a crop failure. Thank God for his grace. 
You know, 2,000 years ago, God's son, Jesus, took my place on an old, cruel Roman cross. And while he was dying there, all of my sins were transferred to him. And he died there in my place. As I believe as he was dying there on the cross, I believe God the Father looked at Jesus the Son and he saw my sins. It was just as if I was on that cross and my sins were there. He saw me hanging there that day and he poured out his wrath. Even though I was the one that deserved that. Because Jesus took that on himself, God the Father poured out his wrath towards me. But instead, he poured that on his own son on the cross of Calvary. God extinguished his wrath toward me that day on that cross on his own son, Jesus. And now I enjoy today mercy. And I'm sure thankful that the word, the word tells us his mercy will never be exhausted. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 said, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, and great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad that no matter how bad you might mess up today, and God gives you mercy today, that get up in the morning and says his mercies are new every morning, he's going to have another load of mercy for you tomorrow too. You're not ever going to run out. We're never going to use it up. And then... Not only for his goodness, but praise God for his guarantee. We're told that God's truth endureth to all generations. That just means that while the years pile up, not a single promise of God's word is going to fail. You see, God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18 tells us that. And everything God's promised in his word will be as good in 10,000 years that it was the instance that he promised it. When the Lord tells you that he loves you, you can count on it. When he tells you he'll save you if you'll come to him, you can count on it. When he tells you that he'll take care of you, you can count on it. But thank God when he tells you and I that he's coming again one of these days to take us home to be with him, you can count on it. You can say that if the Lord tells you anything at all, you can count on it. And if that's not a good reason to praise the Lord, I don't know what is. This morning, are you bringing the right things to church this morning? Has the Lord spoken to you about some areas in your life maybe that need some attention? And are you as filled with his praises as you used to be? Or has the things going on in your life just kind of somehow just kind of dampened your praise and maybe you've just not got a recent glimpse of how blessed you still are? Maybe this morning that you've been here and you've been hearing me talk about these wonderful things of the Lord Jesus Christ. and Yet, as the Holy Spirit has made it aware in your heart today, maybe you realize that You've never been saved. You've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never found that time in your life when you've realized that you're a sinner because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've realized that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, not for anything that he done, he's done, but he died on that cross for your sins and my sins. You believe that he died on the cross for your sins. 
You believe that he was buried and rose again. The Bible says all you've got to do is just believe on him and call upon him and ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that this morning, it would absolutely thrill our hearts for you to walk down this aisle in a few moments and just pray and, and ask God to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. This morning, are you bringing the right spirit? Are you bringing the right submission? And are you bringing the right sacrifice? You just mind the Lord this morning. Let's all stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Brother Bob's going to come lead us in a verse of invitation in just a moment.